Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. Friends and Family Visiting Me by Ashley For a little background about me, my mom always called me her indigo child. I'm an empath, and since I was little I've been able to sense ghosts or spirits, and I've had interactions with them. I've always been pretty sensitive. It probably amped up with the fact that our house was haunted by a friendly ghost growing up. But here are some of my spirit encounters that I hold very close to my heart. When I was 13, I had a best friend named Sean. He was a wonderful person, the type to give you the shirt off his back, even if he didn't know you. He brought happiness and peace into the world and brightened everyone's day, no matter what. It's just who he was as a person. Unfortunately, he was killed in a dirt bike accident that severed his spinal cord. So, thankfully, he wasn't in any pain at all. About a week after he passed, I had a visit, and I know it was a visit because, when I look back on it, it replays more like a memory than a dream. Dreams are fuzzy, incorrect, and don't always make sense, but whenever somebody visits me from the spirit realm, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's just that clear for me. We were in middle school, in the media room slash library, and Sean was standing there, I was so happy to see him. He was smiling. He didn't have his braces on anymore. No words were exchanged. He just stood there and smiled at me, then turned around and was engulfed by the warmest, brightest white light I've ever seen. I knew at that moment that he really had passed on. A few years later, my best friend Kristen at the time had unfortunately fallen into a drug habit. She went to rehab and she came back, and I got to see her. But three days later, we found out that she had overdosed and passed away. Again, about a week later, I had a dream that I was at a party, and it was very crowded, but I saw Kristen. I started yelling for her, and she looked at me and was so confused. My heart sank, and I woke up sobbing. About a month after that, I had another dream with her. We were driving down one of our small town roads like we always used to do. She said to me, I'm sorry about the last time you saw me. I was still figuring things out. I didn't know what was going on. But now I've got the hang of it. And I wanted to tell you that I'm sorry and I love you. At the time, I didn't realize that it was a visit. I was just happy to spend time with her like we used to. My biggest visit yet was from my mom. She was diagnosed with lung cancer April 9th, and April 9th the following year she passed away. 
I begged her to visit me, and about three weeks had passed. My first visit with her, I was sitting at a booth in a restaurant, and I was waiting for her, but I didn't realize that I was waiting for her. She came around with her hair up in a ponytail and makeup on, which she never did unless it was summer or a special occasion. I remember feeling a pit in my stomach, knowing that I would have to tell her what happened to her. But she gave me this knowing smile, and she sat down across from me. We held hands, and I cried so hard that I woke myself up, and I ended the visit early. I was absolutely heartbroken. I asked every day for a month after that if she could come back and visit me again. Months later, she did. We were sitting at her house on the living room floor, and I knew right away that it was a visit from her because the storm clouds that I could see through the kitchen were deep purple and gray. We've always loved storms. My mom would take us out onto the porch so that we could sit and watch the lightning. Everyone loved it, and she instilled that love of storms in us all. But I asked her if she had been the one making the storms lately. We were having so many thunderstorms. She smiled brightly and said, I've been practicing. This made me laugh. I don't know what prompted me, but I asked her if she knew my future. She opened up a little leather-bound book. There was a drawing of me. It was zoomed in on my womb, and there were three names listed. I only saw my son's name. I was in a car accident five months after he was born. A car hit me going 70 miles per hour, and it shattered my pelvis. I had a 2% chance of survival and somehow managed to survive it. But after the accident, I was told that I wouldn't be able to have any more children. I told my mom that I couldn't have any more. She told me to look at the book again, and it changed to just my son's name, and that was all. I looked at her confused, waiting for her to explain it to me. She told me that our futures are not set in stone, that they can be changed every minute of every day. I remember feeling bad because I was being rude. I then asked her how she's been, and she said that she's happy and at peace, and that was the end of it. It's been almost a year now. My mom will visit me from time to time, and I'll see her with my dad, her husband forever, and they're just as happy as can be back together. And that brings me a lot of comfort to know that they're no longer hurting or missing each other. My older sister will get signs of my mom being around and watching as well. A battery-operated candle will turn on and flicker, even though there's no flicker function, or there won't be any batteries in it at all. We went to spread my mom's ashes in the ocean like she asked us to do, and a butterfly landed on us, even though there was a strong wind blowing from the ocean to inland, and a butterfly's wings aren't strong enough for that. But it somehow managed to find us, and we knew that it was my mom and that she was there with us, and it gave us a sense of relief. My mom has visited my older sister in dreams, too, and she told her that she visits her grandbabies every night and rubs their head while they're sleeping, which my son has confirmed that he feels someone rubbing his head every night. My stepdad, who doesn't believe in spirits or ghosts or an afterlife, was proven wrong by my stubborn, wonderful mom. She woke him up by dragging her nail up his foot, and when he woke up, he still felt the tingling sensation and a faint line up his foot. 
so he definitely had proof that she was there with him. So, Mom, I really hope we meet again. Disembodied Voices Around Me by Skylar I just listened to one of your recent episodes and someone shared their story about disembodied voices calling for them in their house. I got excited when I realized I had some stories of my own that I could share. Both of these stories happened when I was around 16. My first time hearing voices that weren't there, I was over at my boyfriend's house. At the time, despite being Catholic, he was also looking into training to become a medium. One afternoon, we were walking downstairs and through the basement to his room. The door to his room was in the back corner and faced the back of the stairs where they had some storage space, also behind a door. I was standing in the little hallway that's created for those doors, watching my boyfriend search for something in his closet. From behind me, almost as if it came from under the stairs, I heard two voices talking to each other, a man and a woman. I couldn't make out what was being said, but it was definitely the sound of two people chattering and whispering about another person. My boyfriend turns around from what he's doing to see a look of unease on my face. He asked me what was wrong and I told him I was hearing voices behind me, but that no one was there. He leaned and peeked behind me. Giving me a smile, he said, Don't worry, they're family, and they like you. We keep them for protection. And after that, we simply went back upstairs to continue what we were doing beforehand. My second story happened that same year, but while I was working at my retail job, I had a coworker friend who worked at the jewelry counter. She was amazing and great at passing the time. One day I brought up the topic of ghosts and wondered if the mall we were located in or the store itself was haunted. She told me there's been a few times where she has heard a little kid running around, but there's no one in the store. I was interested but not curious to find out for myself because ghost kids are horrifying. Months later, I was closing by myself on that half of the store. There was also a manager, someone in the tool department, and a couple people that stalked in the back. It was a little before 9 o'clock in the evening, and I'm just standing at my register, staring into the empty mall hallway in front of me. Not a soul in sight. I decided to walk around my department to make sure there were no customers we were waiting on. Like usual, there was one person in the tool department off in the far corner, but they were getting ready to check out. I went back to my register so I could get ready to count the money. As I turned the corner, I heard the distinct sound of little feet running on the linoleum down the hallway my back was facing, followed by a little girl's giggle. The hair on the back of my neck stood up 
and a chill ran down my spine. I tried as casually as I could to turn around, hoping to see something, but the long retail walkway was empty. I tried to tell myself it was the guy from the tool department with his kid. A little bit later, my supervisor comes around to close and lock all the doors. Man, that guy would not leave. He just had to keep asking question after question, she griped, as I helped her pull the big mall partitions closed. That sucks, I said. His kid was running around too. She looked a little confused and said, What? He didn't have a kid. He just kept wanting to see if there were other deals and discounts. My heart raced a little again, but I was just happy to be going home. After that, I always wondered if the little girl watched me while I worked. The next time I saw my coworker, I told her about the footsteps and laughter. She smiled at me and said, Don't worry, she's a good one. Lady in White by Dara. I'd like to preface this with the fact that I have no idea exactly who or what I saw, but it's pretty scary regardless of whether or not it has an earthly explanation. And that's the part that continues to haunt me over 10 years later. I grew up in Sleepy Hollow, New York, home of the Headless Horseman and allegedly a number of other hauntings. I was 16 at the time, riding shotgun in my then-boyfriend's car, heading home on Old Sleepy Hollow Road at around 3 a.m. This was before my parents enforced a curfew because I was taking advantage. At the end of Old Sleepy Hollow Road is Sleepy Hollow Road and a stop sign, where making a left brings you through a densely wooded area to my parents' house. Old Sleepy Hollow Road is dark and curvy and cuts through the woods that contain the old carriage trails. These connect to the cemetery where the Headless Horseman is said to be laid to rest and to ride, as well as where some of the other legends of Sleepy Hollow originated. Not many cars frequent this road. Outside of the tourist season, the village is quiet and the houses back there are quite sparse. This was even more so the case about 10 years ago. There weren't, and still aren't, many lights on these back roads, but there is one right next to the stop sign, almost like a spotlight. When we pulled up to the stop sign, I was startled because a young woman wearing nothing but a long white nightgown or maybe a thin white dress was suddenly standing on the road right next to the stop sign. At first, I was scared that we were going to hit her, but as we drove away, the reality of the situation really started to sink in and that's when I felt extremely unsettled. What was she doing there at 3am? It gave me a heavy pit in my stomach. This was around November in New York. It was quite frigid and she had no jacket or any shoes on. There are houses back there but not many. 
She didn't look directly at us at all, despite almost hitting her. It almost seemed like she was staring straight through or beyond us. She didn't blink or move. She was very pale, with the cliché long, dark hair to match. I remember asking my boyfriend if he just saw what I saw, and he just nodded. We never spoke about it again until many years later, when I confirmed with him that it really happened and wasn't just a figment of my imagination, a dream, or something else. My parents live up against those woods, with my room being on the bottom floor. I don't think I slept in my own room for months after that incident. I still think of it when I visit. I've read a lot about this figure and different accounts of it. There are stories of ladies in white across many cultures, but one thing that many of the tales have in common is betrayal of a lover. This boyfriend was my first love, and unbeknownst to me at the time, he was secretly sleeping with my best friend behind my back. To this day, it remains one of the worst betrayals of my life. Eventually, he became very violent towards me. I can't help but wonder if she was a warning of some sort. Of course, there are other related ghost stories in the immediate vicinity of where this occurred, like the woman who froze to death at Raven Rock, where she sought refuge during a harsh winter storm, a colonial woman who died hiding from a violent suitor, a Native American girl who was killed at the hands of her jealous lover, a teenager who died after being pushed out of her boyfriend's car during an argument. Truthfully, the list of the many supposed apparitions of the area could go on for far longer. The happy ending, I guess, is that I dumped that loser and grew up to work in the morgue. I definitely don't scare easily, and while I've had a few other unusual experiences throughout my life, this one is truly a mystery to me. I think of it every time I drive past that stop sign, and I sometimes still have dreams about it, as was the case last night, so I've resolved to get it all out in writing in an attempt to unload it to some internet strangers. Feel free to share your theories or similar stories, skeptic or not. Late Night Entities by S.W.N. As a child, up until I was around 17, I would spend a majority of my weekends at my grandparents' house because my father was a workaholic and, if I'm being honest, quite the authoritarian. Thus, staying with my grandparents was much preferred anyway. For the first event that I can remember, I was around five or six and at my grandparents' home. The simplest way I can describe this house is that it looked like it was built in medieval times, except for having modernized windows for the early 90s. I mean, this house was built stone by stone, and will probably be one of the last houses standing in the world. No joke, it's a fortress. Anyway, I was up late playing video games and getting tired, with midnight being my usual cutoff and the time I would pass out. So I was sitting in the living room, playing my game, and then it suddenly got dead quiet and still, all around, 
I couldn't hear anything around me, not even the TV anymore. I was creeped out, but being a naive boy and stuck on my game, I ignored the urging feeling in the back of my mind telling me to run upstairs to my grandma. The next thing I know, I felt someone sit down beside me on the love seat. If I wasn't terrified earlier, I felt frozen in place at this point. I didn't want to look beside me because I dreaded what I might see. You can probably already guess what I saw. Once I got my frozen head to turn, I looked down at the cushion beside me and saw it forming an indentation. Let's just say I wasn't stuck in place anymore. I bolted up the 23 steps and down the long hallway to my grandparents' room, jumping into bed with my grandma and under the covers. I was too scared to talk, as she desperately sought answers as to why I abruptly startled her awake. I eventually told her everything I could, and it must have made enough sense for my grandfather to wake up and take the position of lead investigator. Of course, as I was attached to my grandma and under the covers, I heard my grandpa come back up and claim there was nothing strange going on, and he told me to go to bed. This next event happened a few nights later. I was once again playing video games late at night, but this time, rather than everything going silent, the living room became extremely cold to the point I could literally see my breath. For some reason beyond my comprehension, my eyes fixated on the stone wall in front of me. After 30 seconds or so, I saw this monstrous-looking centipede with rotting skin go in and out of the wall, as if the wall was a hologram. This time I couldn't even move for what seemed like forever and was forced to endure this creature from hell until it decided to crawl down to the floor and towards me. Out of sheer self-preservation, I willed my body to move and of course, ran upstairs to the safety of my grandparents' room. But this time I grabbed my grandfather's steel baseball bat and braved my way back downstairs to try and squash this demon bug. But when I got to the bottom set of stairs to peek over the stairwell, I couldn't even locate it. I even waited for a while, assuming it was hiding, but it never came back. Now, it's easy to write this off as a child's overactive imagination, but the things I can't rationalize are the immediate changes in the atmosphere during both events. If anyone has any similar experiences, I look forward to listening to them in the episodes to come. I have a few more unexplainable things that happened later in life, but I'll save those for next time. The All-Knowing Voice by Throwaway, 11-21-9 My fiancé called off our engagement a few months ago. 
We had been circling the drain for a few months, but I genuinely thought that we would be able to pull through with some work and improved communication because our relationship felt different than previous relationships, like it was supposed to happen. The beginning was easy, wonderful, and so comfortable, it felt like we had known each other forever. Fast forward to the breakup. I was alternating between packing things, journaling, and feverishly researching communication techniques, grasping at straws as to how to stay together. Then it happened. I was sitting on the couch, and I heard a voice say, You are not her teacher. It came to me like some kind of truth. The voice sounded like it came from within my mind, but like an auditory memory. Like I heard it, but I knew it was not an external stimulus. I knew that it came from within my mind, a thought, sound, or knowing that was placed into my consciousness. I immediately knew it to be true as well. All thoughts seem completely subjective compared to the level of truth in that sentence. This wasn't like an epiphany. It was as if I heard a voice communicating a complete thought. It wasn't an intrusive thought, or it wouldn't have felt like the truth. I couldn't rule out temporary psychosis or auditory hallucinations due to stress, but the voice was so right, even though I didn't want to believe it, and it gave me the feeling of being the absolute truth. It helped me let go of a lot and process a ton from our relationship. Recently, my ex and I decided to talk to gain closure. I didn't know where to begin, but I decided to lead with the voice because it perfectly encompassed why we couldn't be together from my side. I told her, she listened, and then she said she heard a voice around the same time. She had the exact same feeling of truth and the now-you-have-to-deal-with-that-knowledge vibe. Her voice told her she couldn't fix my inner pain. To say that these voices were spot-on with their assessment would be an understatement, it's also incredibly strange that we both heard similar voices and we both knew it to be the truth and we were given the most perfectly succinct and relevant truth bombs. I wonder if anyone else has experienced a voice telling them the truth. Thank you for any information you can share. The Faceless by Anonymous About 30 years ago, an event led to me discovering I had an entity attached to me, who I refer to as the Faceless. When I was 16, some friends and I were playing the pass-out game in my basement. I don't recommend playing this so-called game. In fact, you should warn your kids about it. We basically did weird breathing exercises and pressed on each other's chests until we passed out. After my friend Joel regained consciousness, he jolted up and sprinted outside in a panic. He was shaking and trying to light a cigarette, not able to say anything. He never showed any sort of fear or weakness. Joel was kind of the tough guy in our group, I guess you could say. I had never seen him so emotionally vulnerable before. 
or ever since. Being a teenager and succumbing to peer pressure, I took my turn as agreed. Our friend TJ did the honors. After I blacked out, I remember being inside a long, narrow cave. I was able to reach out and touch both sides of it. There was also a dim light that was bright enough to see the cave walls, but I have no idea where the light came from. As I was walking through the cave, I approached a herd of sheep who were entering a larger cavern. I stepped through the entrance and froze. My eyes were drawn to an incredibly tall, pitch-black statue of a human-like entity. It stood against the opposite side of the cavern, about 40 feet away, and was about 15 feet tall. Although it was the deepest shade of black I had ever seen, I could make out some of its features. It had its arms crossed, and I was able to see how muscular it was. I then noticed that a handful of sheep surrounding the base of the statue had been apparently slaughtered. They were bloody and scattered about, although the other sheep in the cavern continued to wander around without concern. I looked back at the statue and saw that, although it had a head, it was faceless. Just a black void with absolutely zero discernible features. Hence the name, The Faceless. Then, he pointed at me from across the cavern. Even though I still stood a considerable distance away, I could actually feel my chest being poked. It wasn't painful, just a firm touch. Then the faceless said to me, You are set aside. And I immediately woke up. I had a horrible headache and tasted blood in my mouth. TJ asked if I was okay and said I was slamming my head against the floor. Joel had to put his foot beneath my head to soften the blows. I told them what happened, and Joel's face turned pale. He said he saw the exact same dark figure when he was unconscious. However, it was chasing after him through a field, flying above his head just a few paces behind him. He explained that it felt more real than any dream or nightmare he has ever had, and that he knew if it caught up to him, it would be bad news. Ever since then, I often felt that same familiar presence of the faceless. However, even during my first encounter with him, I didn't necessarily feel threatened. If he wanted to hurt me, he would have. I felt like he was protective of me. He made his presence known to others around too, sometimes protective and sometimes antagonistic. But usually he was just neutral. I could always feel him if I tried to. At one point, he became so antagonistic towards a roommate that I reached out to a local group of paranormal investigators. At the most extreme, he chased her through the house and into her room, then audibly laughed in my voice on the other side of the door after she slammed it. He shoved another person's shoulder, poked another person's back, and would occasionally cause things in the closed closet to fall off the shelves. I can't say for sure exactly when it happened, 
but I've since lost any connection to him. I can't feel him anymore. Once I noticed this, the spiritual knoll, as I call it, began. I've never felt like I had any particular personal affinity towards anything spiritual or paranormal. I've always been a hopeful skeptic. However, paranormal things seemed enhanced whenever I was around. Ouija and spirit boards worked better if I was in the room. Tarot readings were inexplicable. People with gifts saw things more clearly, or things they hadn't seen before. Stuff that seemed weird to me, but I took for granted. Ever since I stopped feeling the presence of the faceless, it's been the exact opposite. I think the event that really made it sink in for me was when I went to a popular and successful guided ghost tour. And because of me, I feel like 12 people wasted their money. There was zero activity, which for this tour was extremely unusual. I could tell the guide was completely baffled, and even offered everyone on the tour a rain check. He tried one last spot, a location that isn't usually on the tour, but he was obviously pretty desperate. As my own experiment, I left the group, and sure enough, they all said they had various levels of activity at the spot where I wasn't present. I spoke to the guide again afterwards and asked if he had any insight or thoughts on my conclusion, but he hadn't heard of anything like it before. I've tried a couple of other minor experiments, and they've shown pretty much the same results. I can't even go into shops that sell crystals. My daughter is pretty witchy, so I've tried going with her into a couple shops, and I almost immediately get dizzy and nauseous. I asked one of the shop owners about it, and she suggested I hold something raw and ferrous, like raw iron ore or a similar mineral. I've tried it and it helps a bit, but I'm still very uncomfortable, like I can feel the dizziness and nausea just surrounding me. To be honest, I feel kind of dumb even opening up about this, but I miss my friend and I don't know enough about the paranormal to do anything about it. I guess I'm hoping someone can help me figure out if I'm right. Have I created a spiritual void around me? Or is it something else? I'd love it if someone could tell me how to reconnect with the faceless. But my heart tells me that's not a real option for some reason. I don't know. Maybe that's just my fear but I can at least find purpose in what's left after his absence. I was listening to Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell many years ago, and the episode was about shadow people. One of the listeners explained the faceless perfectly, so I'm hoping there are more people with similar encounters, or somebody with insight they'd be willing to share. If so, please reach out to me. Just don't poke my chest. Okay, so that was a trip. But 
there's no need to feel dumb or embarrassed about sharing this. I really want to figure out what this faceless thing could be. I'm fully vested with the author now. Same. I actually had a lengthy Discord conversation with him. I wanted to fill in some details and get a better feel for what happened. And we went over like a dozen rabbit holes. It was, it was pretty cool. Really nice dude. But this barely scratches the surface of anything. I think it sums it up pretty well. Yeah. But I can confidently say that he's genuine. He just wants some answers. Yeah, we can take a crack at it. What are your thoughts? Well, it's funny because as counterintuitive as it might sound to a lot of people, I also think that the faceless thing was protective, or at least seemed that way. I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, like, hear me out. Like, uh, okay. Let me see. Okay, I got it. It's kind of like the show Scared Straight, where prisoners scream at bad-behaving teenagers until they finally break down crying and humble themselves. <laughs> yeah. I would never be able to make it through one of those without laughing my ass off. I'd probably pee my pants, but... My immediate thought, before the author even mentioned himself that he felt like the faceless was a protector, was that it was some sort of grim reaper who didn't want to do his job. <laughs> he could have been, like, warning the author and his friends to stop playing dangerous games. Yeah. You can catch more flies with honey than vinegar, as they say, but hey, everybody has their ways. Yeah, that's a good point. The faceless did say you are set aside mm -hmm. like he was sparing the author from something but uh what about the sheep i think they could have represented falling in line with the hive mind you know like the whole sheeple thing or blindly following the crowd <laughs> yeah the faceless could be some interdimensional guide who is warning the author not to be a sheep otherwise he'd eventually meet his fate or something that's my best guess yeah i like that um I understand that the author wants to reconnect with the faceless, but maybe he stopped coming around because they're no longer at a place in life where they need that sort of protection. Just like you don't take medicine if you aren't sick, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. That very well could be true. If anybody has any other ideas, please email us or yeah. send a message on Instagram. I'm still in contact with the author and he really does want to figure out this whole situation so I can pass on your words or get you connected somehow. Perfect. The matchmaker. That'd be my WWE nickname. <laughs> what would mine be? Uh, the Undertator. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I'm sure this is going to seem pretty controversial to some folks out there, but I think it does a great injustice to experiences like in the all-knowing voice story to assume that the voice that both parties heard was some kind of temporary psychosis or auditory hallucination due to stress, mm. which is something that the author said they couldn't rule out. Sure, you can't rule that out, but they both heard the voice separately in their own minds. Exactly. We've had a lot of that, those weird supposed coincidences, and people who don't experience mental illness can still hear voices. Definitely. I did some reading on the subject after recording the story, and I came across a Stanford University study where researchers found that many people hear voices or have auditory hallucinations, but do not suffer from mental illnesses. It goes on to suggest that hearing voices is probably more common in the general population than we previously thought. Yeah, there's documented cases of 
popular historical figures like even Joan of Arc. She apparently started hearing voices of specific saints when she was a teenager Mm -hmm. who told her about her mission to save France. Yeah. I don't know if you're into silent films, by the way, but The Passion of Joan of Arc is one of my favorites. I highly recommend The Criterion. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but I do like everything from Nosferatu to Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Awesome. I've always been a fan of silent horror, but I'm trying to expand my interests in other genres from that era. Though I can't say I've ever heard a separate voice in my head speaking to me. However, my own inner voice will never shut the hell up. (laughs) I used to think I was crazy for talking to myself as much as I do. I thought I was going to develop some sort of mental ailment, but I'm glad to know it's just part of being human. We all talk to ourselves. Yeah. The only time I've ever actually heard a voice that wasn't there was when I was 16. I don't remember what was going on in my life, but I felt the need to pray. I remember lying on the couch in my living room, closing my eyes, and just kind of meditating and trying to speak to God. I didn't ask for any signs or anything like that, but clear as day i heard my name being said Mm. it almost sounded like the guy who narrated those old movie trailers (laughs) but much less comical and cliche just a very commanding and powerful voice i know what my own internal voice sounds like which is just my regular voice and it wasn't anything like how you can play a song in your head and hear it right it was very much real never heard it since though interesting I don't think I've heard a separate audible voice, but I've definitely been given unspoken guidance through meditation or praying on certain topics. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a knowing, but that could just be my daemon. But before I go into that, I had a weird synchronicity today I want to talk about. Okay. I've been watching Yellow Jackets for the first time. I'm on season two and I like it so far. But uh, our mutual friend Armando and I were talking about the cast, and we both agreed that Christina Ricci's character is definitely the most entertaining character to watch on the show. But he cited Buffalo 66 as his favorite Ricci film, and I cited Sleepy Hollow as mine. Buffalo 66 was one of those entry-level indie films that I loved as a teenager. (laughs) I, I watched so much IFC back in the day, the independent film channel. Yeah. It was a boring movie by conventional standards probably but i liked it i liked how raw it was or whatever you want to call it you know typical indie movie snobbery yeah but then of course came welcome to the dollhouse and Mm -hmm. wes anderson's early stuff i mean all of his stuff is good but you know yeah i agree and i liked buffalo 66 when i watched it but as i've aged i've really grown to not like vincent gallo the person (laughs) Yeah, I think he sells his sperm on his website for a million dollars, or at least he used to. Yeah, I don't like him. Well, anyway, I ended up thinking about that movie Sleepy Hollow a lot, and I had a dream about Sleepy Hollow last night. So I woke up, and the first story I read today was the story about old Sleepy Hollow Road. Such synchronicity. (laughs) Yeah, I've been having a lot of synchronicities like that, too. I'm not sure what to make of it. But it could be that I'm just noticing them more now because I've been reading a couple of books by Anthony Peake. Yeah, those aha moments tend to manifest themselves when we sort of prime our minds for whatever it is we're looking for or are curious about. Mm -hmm. I actually have some of his books in my shopping cart. How are they? 
They're great so far. He's written about a lot of different phenomena like NDEs, deja vu, and more recently, uh, a book called The Hidden Universe, an investigation into non-human intelligences, where he covers beings like shadow people, ghosts, demons, and a bunch of other interesting creepers that we cover on the show. And I'm reading The Hidden Universe along with another of his called Cheating the Ferryman. So that one is hard to put into words because I haven't really gotten too far into it, but it covers a lot of his theories about consciousness, reality, and the nature of life after death. He basically integrates concepts from quantum mechanics and neurology with ancient myths and even personal experiences. So there's this eternal presence that he calls the daemon. It's sort of a guardian angel that helps guide us through our repeated lives, potentially allowing us to make different choices and observe events with a new understanding. I gotta say, it's the most fascinating book I've ever read about consciousness and reality, and I think that it's the reason for all of these synchronicities lately. Yeah, that stuff is all so cool. That daemon sounds like something out of The Christmas Carol, Mm -hmm. a little guide to help you see how your actions impact outcomes in the long term. Yeah. Maybe The Faceless was something similar. I was thinking that too. Yep. I'm also constantly thinking about butterfly effect type of stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't actually want to drive all the way out to the Bay Area on that night you and I met. (laughs) Yeah. But here I am over a decade later with a new best friend and a career in podcasting all because I forced myself to leave the house. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he does describe having a kind of dual consciousness, the version of our soul that is newborn, and then the daemon that has all of the knowledge of our past lives and the future. It's cool stuff. If you look at the cover of his book for the daemon, it gives you kind of an abstract visual idea of what this is. And the theory tries to explain things, like I said, like deja vu, And I would even personally say, to an extent, the Mandela effect. But yeah, that's my recommendation for the week. Check out Anthony Peake's work or even just some of his interviews on YouTube. He explains the theories pretty well. Yeah, even the stuff that has more anecdotal evidence with the personal stories is still really interesting. I do have my skeptical reservations here and there, but I'm still a firm believer. Half the fun is piecing it all together ourselves. Yeah, and that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, That was a fun episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Make sure that you sign up for our Patreon if you want to get this episode and all of our past episodes ad-free at a higher bitrate. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails and get instant access. Make sure you send your stories in to stories at oddtrails.com. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with permission of their respective authors. If you get a chance, make sure you check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and the old-time radio cast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next week, everyone. Stay safe. Peace out.